0: This book was written not because I knew the answers to the questions it poses, or even because I had any particular knowledge of the many subjects and fields it touches upon, but because I myself wanted to read such a book. It is a book I would have preferred someone else to have written, so I could enjoy reading it without the work of authorship, but no one else took up the assignment. Central Asia as yet has no chronicler comparable to Joseph Needham, the great historian from Clare College, Cambridge, whose magisterial 27-volume Science and Civilization in China has no equal for any other people or world region, and so I backed into the task in the hope that my work might inspire some future Needham from the region or from among scholars abroad. The questions raised in this book became my constant companions for nearly two decades, and over several scores of trips through every corner of the region, trips that included scorching treks in the Karakum Desert of Turkmenistan, and being snowbound for nearly a week in the Pamirs at minus forty degrees. Enormous, pre-digital piles of notes made entrance to my office a challenge that few chose to face. Now, with the volume done, I find myself saying, with Edward Gibbon in the preface to his decline and fall of the Roman Empire, that I have ventured, perhaps too hastily, to commit to the press a work which in every sense of the word deserves the epithet of imperfect, and, by the way, I know all too well that I am no Gibbon. It would be more than a stretch to say that I am qualified to have undertaken this book, but at least I can claim a long-term interest in the subject. The Persian world first opened to me when, at age eighteen, I met my freshman roommate at Yale, Hushang Nasser, whose father was mayor of Tehran under the Shah. Hush went on to become a dedicated medical doctor who loyally served his country. My first contact with the Turkic world began through archaeological work at Gordium in Turkey where Alexander the Great cut the Gordian knot and eventually extended over several seasons spent mapping ancient roads in Anatolia. Neither of these links qualified me as an expert on anything, but from these early contacts to the present it has been natural for me to view both the Persian and the Turkish worlds as places inhabited by exceptionally interesting people, among whom are many good friends of mine. The number of scholars and experts who have plowed the separate furrows of this book is staggering. It is fashionable in some quarters to fault Western and Russian scholars of the past two centuries for their Orientalism. But without their painstaking research, the larger story of the intellectual effervescence of the Islamic East would never have become known to the world. This has been a thoroughly international effort, among the many participants are French savants like Jean-Pierre abel Remoussat, Farid Jabber, Etienne de la Vassière, and Franz Grenet, not to mention the many authors of the publications, since 1922, of the Delegation Archaeologique Française en Afghanistan. In Germany, Heinrich Souter, Adam Mez, and others founded a tradition that continues today in the likes of Joseph Van Esk, Gotthard, Strohmeyer, and a host of younger scholars from both the former East and West, while the Czech Republic claims the great literary scholar Jan Ripka. Across the English Channel, adventurers Arminius Vanbury and Sir Oral Stein, both of them immigrants from Hungary, sparked the imagination of the English-speaking world and of all Europe with the accounts of their explorations in greater Central Asia, Then came linguists like Edward Granville Brown and translator Edward Fitzgerald, who together did much to bring the treasures of regional literature to broader notice. In the twentieth century, the awesomely prolific Clifford Edmund Bosworth from Manchester wrote with insight on scores of topics essential to a book like this, while Georgina Herman and her colleagues extended this tradition into archaeology